Well, we are in a series called Living New, uh, and we are, two weeks ago, we were talking about uh, made new. The person who's redeemed in Christ, Colossians, or 2 Corinthians 5.17, has been made new. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he, she is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come, a new creation. And then we talked last Sunday about called to new in Colossians 2, 6, and 7. And just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, so walk in him. And so God's people are not only made new, but God's people when they're made new are called to new. And there's a question that comes out of that, and that's this. If we've been called to something new, has God equipped us for that new? Has God equipped us for that new. Uh, think about it. It would actually be quite unfair. I would even argue quite unloving of God to call us to something we're utterly incapable of or without the equipment to be able to accomplish the task that God has called us to. Like for instance, this didn't happen, but let me just uh, make an example. Uh, Luke and Emily, our, our, our kids, when, when they were five and three, let's just say I went to them when they were five and three, year, three years old and I said, hey, Luke and Emily, it, it's time to mow the lawn. I mean, we're in that realm of life, right? The grass is like <laughs> flying up. And Luke and Emily, it's time to mow the lawn. Uh, and we had a big lawn in that time. And it's like, okay, so go do it. And at five and three, they would just, I'm sure they would look at me like, are you insane? And I'd be like, yeah, but do it. And uh, it didn't happen, but that would be unloving. That would be unkind of me to expect them to be able to go mow the lawn with a power mower at five and three years old. And so with that, the question is, has God equipped his people to be able to fulfill and accomplish what God has called us to do and be? Because sometimes, don't you feel like you just are, it's impossible? But here's the answer, yes. God has fully equipped us to be able to live new as he has called us to be in that. And uh, redeemed in Christ, we need for you to know today that you are fully equipped by God to do what God has asked us to do and to be. And you may say, well, why do I fall short of that? Well, we'll get into that. We'll see that in it. But today is a, is a knowing day. Today is, I, uh, listen, today is not the kind of Sunday where we're going to go into this and, and it's like, now do it. It's not that. It's not that. Everybody say, not that. Not that. Uh, today is the kind of something, the day where I want you to know something from God's word on what believer you have been equipped with because sometimes we need to come back to knowing some things. And that's actually up to this point in the series what it has been about. We've gone all the way back to, to the beginning of things, to the future of things, to the cross, the resurrection of things. Know these things. The last couple weeks have been know that you've been made new in Christ. Know that you've been called to new in Christ. Today is the last of kind of these knowing, driving these items in. It's the know that you are equipped to be able to fulfill what God has called us to be. And from here on out for the coming next five, uh, seven Sundays, we're gonna be diving into what that looks like on the mechanics of it. But we can't leave here this morning with not knowing what God has equipped us with because friends, I'm just gonna tell you, I think it's far bigger and far better than you and I understand right now, okay? 
So I am going to try and up your knowing amperage. All right? So let's dive in. Let's know. And uh, what we have been equipped by God is amazing. And there are three things because like all preachers are supposed to do three things. I I don't know why that is, but uh, it just happens to be three today. And and so uh, here's the first one. God's people, you have been equipped with the spirit of God. You have been equipped with the spirit of God. Please turn to John 14. And by the way, when I say that, you're probably like, yeah, I know that. Uh, Listen, today's upping the amperage because I'm going to hope and pray that you leave today going, oh, I didn't quite know that. Okay, we're upping this. Uh, And as you're turning to John 14, by the way, it's page 847. If you're using one of the Bibles behind the seats there, 847. Uh, I want to just kind of do a a brief three-paragraph doctrinal summary of the Holy Spirit, all right? So his deity, his person, his ministry, his deity. The Holy Spirit is one of the Godhead, Trinity. He is one of the three. There's a tendency for us to think God the Father, uh, God the Son, the second person of the Trinity, God the Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, where there's a tendency to think that the third one is like less than. It's like the later than one. I'm, three of, I'm third of three brothers. I always got the leftovers, okay? No new clothes for Doug. Feel bad for me. Thank you. Oh, man, that blesses my heart. <laughs> and, and we have that tendency to carry that into the Holy Spirit. You know, it's like, oh, you know, yeah, yeah, okay, he's the third one. Hold on. Third of the Trinity, co-equal deity, all right? Deity. The Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit uh, possesses the attributes of deity, including omniscience and omnipotence and omnipresence and eternality. His deity can be seen in in, in breathing life into creation and raising Christ from the dead, in participating in the giving of scripture, as we'll see, and in giving new birth to every person that comes to a saving faith in Christ. Listen, if you came to the place where you drove the stake in the ground and have received Christ as your savior, you gotta know this. The spirit of God was at work in you in that moment to bring you to that place to see your need for Christ. And there is a trinity that is an active team working out, and they are co-equals and yet unique unto themselves, but they are all deity, uh, the person of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not an impersonal being. Let me say that again, because we have this tendency to think that the Holy Spirit is this like personless, spiritual, cosmic energy force. Okay, that's what we tend to think the Holy Spirit is. But, but that's incorrect. As with the Father, as with the Son, the Holy Spirit has personhood, a deity personhood, the qualities of personhood, and those include being grieved, blasphemed, resisted. It includes the Holy Spirit performing actions like that of revealing and testifying and convincing and helping and guiding and knowing and speaking. We need to get out of our head this Raiders of the Lost Ark. I know that goes back a long time. 
But I still can remember that where it's like, you know, the force, you know, it's like the spirit is this floating, ooey, gooey kind of thing. No, the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity, okay? Uh, last, the ministry of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit participated in creation, revelation, uh, the ministers through inspiration, conviction, illumination, evangelism, salvation, sealing, leading, and dwelling, empowering, gifting, helping, filling, and the list goes on. I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit is one active part of the Godhead. Okay, he's not third in the list because he's like lower on the pole of it all. And then we come to John 14. John 14, you there? Verses 16 and 17. By the way, John 14, this is the passage where Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. We get to verse 16 and it says, and I, Jesus, will ask the Father and he will give you another helper. By the way, you, you, you just saw the Trinity right there. The Trinity as team. And I, Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, incarnate at that time, will ask the Father and he will give you another helper. I just want to sit on that another helper for a moment because that really, man, that struck me this week. It's so cool. Jesus essentially is saying another helper is implied in that is that Jesus is a helper. And he's saying there is one who is another helper. And in this later, in, Jesus talks about, I have to leave. I have to leave so that you can have the Spirit of God. And again, our minds kind of have this thing to where, okay, boy, if I could live in the time of Christ, that would be awesome. And, oh, it would be. To, to, to be able to see him and the incarnate Christ uh, walking and working and, and, and all. And yet, then we kind of come, yeah, we kind of got left over with the Spirit. Stop. That is so wrong in our thinking. Jesus is saying, listen, I got to go so you can have another helper. Like, hey, we're not left with the leftovers. Okay? He has a high view of the Spirit of God. And then it goes on, to be with you for how long? Let's see, if I understand my English, forever is like a long time. Even the spirit of truth telling us more about him, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be or is in you. And with the disciples, the spirit will dwell in them. The spirit is not only with you, but in you. Seriously, I'm pausing on this because I, I, maybe it's just me and my own thinking and how the Lord's pressed into me this week, but I just think we have this sense that the God is like floating and oozing and working, and we don't understand that the Spirit of God, redeemed person in Christ, is in you, in, in, not just around, in so why is it that when we pray to God, it's like we sometimes we think, if we pray louder, he'll hear. Because he's far off. Maybe we need to think differently about our prayers and orienting some of our prayers like, oh, he's, he's like in. By the way, that means that everywhere I go, the spirit is in. So what I say, what I see, what I do, what happens around me, He's not just like some cosmic energy force. 
The third person of the Trinity is in you, redeemed person in Christ. That's a deal. That's a big deal. Look over to John 15, verse 26. It's there, uh, Jesus calls the Holy Spirit the helper. He's already referred to him as another helper. New International Version, it refers, it uses the word counselor, so he's the helper counselor. It also refers to the Holy Spirit as the spirit of truth, again, who will bear witness about Jesus. In chapter 16, we just find Jesus also referencing uh, the Holy Spirit. He says that he will convict and he will guide, he will declare, he will glorify Jesus. But listen, as I read Romans 5, 5, it says, And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. The, 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 the love of the Godhead, how does that uh, functionally challenge, uh, channeled through? Uh, the, God, the love of the Father is channeled through the, the, the work of the Spirit. Oh, by the way, who is in the redeemed person in Christ. I'm trying to help us to see, scripture gives us a much more intimate, connected, involved, engaged reality of what's going on with the Godhead in us. And the spirit of God is working in us to even help us be part of the loving reality of the God. What, what, we always said, well, what did the Godhead do before creation? I mean, weren't they just bored? Listen, God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit were together, and no, they weren't. There is a depth in relationship, this love in relationship that's going on. And so we come along in creation and now we can participate in that whole relationship entity of it all. We have this tendency to think that following Christ is about do, 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 do. We are such Pharisees, it's crazy. And yet what God is doing is God is inviting us into relationship with the Godhead that, that the Godhead has known since the beginning of time and will know in the, until the eternity future. And God is inviting us to be participate in that whole relationship. And the Spirit of God is the one who channels the love of the Father in us. Oh, this is so much better than some class on pneumatology or the spirit of God that is like we talk about all these functionalities. This is intimate and this is deep and this is, oh, I have no words, but I'm trying. Ephesians 1, 13 to 14, it says this, and Jesus, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and you believed, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance. Listen, uh, I'm just going to tell you my theology. Uh, I do not think that there is a second uh, uh, indwelling of the Spirit of God. When you come to Christ, bam, the Spirit of God is put in you. It seals you, indwells you. That's, it is the Spirit of God in us that it makes us the inheritance of it. We are not just tattooed, if you will, with the Spirit of God. We are dwelt in with the Spirit of God. And we are owned by 
God. And that's why this whole idea of trying to work to get something more powerful. Oh, stop it, everybody. Just stop it. We come to faith in, in Christ alone by grace alone. There is no works to earn more of God. We come to God by grace, and it is grace, grace, grace. And then grace is lived out of us. So far, the Holy Spirit forever dwells in us. Uh, God's, in, God's made new people as our helper counselor, as the spirit of truth. He is the one who illumines and convicts and guides and declares and seals and empowers and guarantees our inheritance. He's the one who gifts us and he's the one who works in us and on us and through us. And oh, God's people, I, I, I don't think we understand what we have. And I say that is an exciting challenge. We have more than we think. We have far more than we think. In fact, uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20, just listen. It says, do you not know that your body is a temple? That's where we go, yeah, we are awesome. You know, especially those who are really fit. Yeah, man, I'm especially a temple. Hey, well, let me say this. A temple, Why? You, you, are, uh, you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, oh, whom you have from the Father. The, the reason why your and my life is biblically a temple isn't because we're awesome. It's because of what dwells in us is awesome. The Spirit of God dwells in us. That makes us a temple. I, I'm kind of like, I got to start thinking like I'm a temple, because the Spirit of God dwells in me. And by the way, knowing this drives the doing. Turn to Galatians 5. I'm just going to touch on this a little bit to kind of whet our appetites for what's ahead. Galatians 5, verses 16 to 25. We've been made new. We're called to new. Here this Sunday, we're equipped for new. We're talking about equipped with the Spirit of God. And we come to Galatians 5, uh, verse 16. Uh, but I say, Paul says to the church in Galatia, but I say, walk by the Spirit. That's a, it's a cooperation relationship. That's the thing. Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. That's interesting. So there's a flesh thing, and there's a spirit thing. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. Have you ever wondered why we struggle? There's a reason. Because uh, redeemed in Christ, you have a spirit thing, but we also still have a flesh reality that one day will be done away with. And for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. That's like Paul says, I, I, why is that I don't do what I want to do? Here we go. This is why. But if you are led by the spirit, there, there is a cooperation. And again, we're not getting in the mechanics today. We're just trying to get our head into the game. You are not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, uh, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. I don't have time to get into it. Listen, if you're redeemed in Christ, you are saved. And yet, uh, I think what was going on, just we talked the other week, fruit. Fruit shows the reality. 
And we all fall, we all fail, we all sin. And actually, I think this list is fascinating because I don't think Paul in this is going, you know, there are people way on the other side of the world who do these kinds of things. I'm glad it's not you. I actually think Paul is referring and Paul is thinking and Paul is knowing that probably uh, you guys are uh, somehow engaged in some of these as well. Man, that tells you a lot. I love the real of the Bible. And then verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is these, love and joy and peace and patience and kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Wait a second, the fruit of the Spirit. And if the Spirit is inside of us, dwelling in us, then those things are available. But there is a cooperation. Again, today's not the mechanics. Today's the knowing. I'm just asking, might all of this cause us to rethink how we think about the Lord and how we think about life? You're equipped with more than I think you think you are. And the same for me. Verse 24, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh. Like, get at it, kill it with his passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the spirit. There's a spirit thing that's going on that is in us. Turn over to the right to Philippians uh, chapter two, just for a moment. Philippians chapter two, uh, verses 12 and 13. This is a big one. Uh, I guess they're all big, aren't they? Uh, Verses 12 and 13. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed. Oh, by the way, that connects. There is an obedience reality going on in our life. There's a thing that, yeah, I'm working in obeying in this cooperation relationship. So now, not only as in my present, but much more in my absence, you work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Hey, friends, this is not saying you work for your salvation. This is saying you work out your salvation. Okay, you're, you're over at the Y and you're in exercise class. And what, what are they saying? Hey, you got the goods, work it out, work it out, work it. I don't know, I haven't been over there to a class, but I'm just guessing. All right. <laughs> it's like, work it out, work it out, work it That's the same thing here. You have everything that you need to do that, and yet God is not making us robots. We are to be engaged. Again, that, that's the mechanics part of it, but there is this thing to where, uh, work it out. And here's the line, for it is God who works in you. By the way, who is in you? For it is the Holy Spirit who works in you. Here's it. Both to will and to work for his good pleasure. This this is a passage where you get and it's like, yeah, but see, but I just haven't been feeling like obeying the Lord. So clearly the Spirit of God has an issue. Spirit of God's failing me. No, 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 no. See, God has not called us to live by feelings. God has called us to live by faith. And they are different. And in our world and in our culture, we, we make the two equivalent together. Well, well, I just want to get to that place where I feel like living for the Lord. Yeah, me too. Straight up with you. This may be a shocker. But there are some weeks where I don't feel like preparing a sermon. In fact, sometimes there are consecutive weeks. <laughs> where I don't feel like preparing a sermon, just life is heavy or what's going on, or just like, I'm just not feeling it. But faithfulness says, 
No, that's what the Lord has given me as my task of life. And same for you with what you do. We don't live by our feelings. If we live by our feelings, oh my goodness, down the tanker. But we live by faith and we have been equipped with the spirit of God to live by faith. The question is, is are we leaning into the spirit of God? And now we're into mechanics. I don't want to do mechanics. I want us just to know that. The spirit of God is in you, in you, in you, in you. He is not a cosmic force. He is not a... He's none of that. The third person of the Trinity in you, baby. Work it out, work it out, work it out. <laughs> Too much yelling this morning. <sighs> William Tyndale calmed me down, said this, for if the Spirit's first work in salvation is to loose our hearts that we might have a lust or desire for the Lord, then the Christian life is about so much more than getting heaven. The Spirit is about drawing us into the divine life. The Father has eternally delighted in the Son through the Spirit, and the Son in the Father. The Spirit's work in giving us is the Spirit's work in giving us new life, then, is nothing less than bringing us to share in their mutual delight. Again, we are such Pharisees. We, we, we think that we come to Christ and then it's about doing, 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 doing and working, 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 working. And, and, and the Lord's like, uh, excuse me, but would you just abide with me? Let's start there. And you see, the Godhead in eternity in perfect relationship and that was fully satisfying. We weren't brought along because there was a hole in God's heart. All right? We were brought along because the Godhead, for some reason, wanted us to participate in what the Godhead had, in that divine relationship. And the Spirit of God is the one who is the one who uh, the, the love of God works through and draws us in. Uh, Michael Reeves, in, in his book, uh, Delighting in the Trinity, an Introduction to the Christian Faith, great book. I would highly encourage you to consider uh, reading it. Uh, he says this, the Spirit beautifies his new creation. I love that word. The Spirit beautifies his new creation. The Spirit is not about bringing us to mere external performance for Christ, but bringing us actually to love him and find our joy in him. And any performance for him that is not the expression of such love brings him no pleasure at all. Hey, for some of you, you need to stop working so hard for God. That may be a dramatic statement. You may be, that's heresy. Hold on. You may need to just stop working so hard for God and start leaning in and loving him and savoring him and enjoying him and abiding in him and delighting in him. Man, we're such performance-oriented people. And God's like, come, come. Come to me. All you are burdened, and I will give you rest for your soul. Go, moving into the next thing, because that was a big one. Moving into the next thing, Ephesians 6 says, verse 17 and 18, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and praying at all times in the Spirit. The Spirit is the holy gladiator. Had to get that in there somewhere. 
I love the movie Gladiator. And the Holy Spirit, but wait, what's his, what's his sword? This, this is it. Hey, God's people are equipped with the Spirit of God, and God's people, secondly, are equipped with the Word of God. The Word of God. Uh, please turn to 2 Peter uh, chapter 1, page 957. 2 Peter uh, chapter 1. Read that, verse 3. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Let's see, life and godliness, like um, life and godliness, that's like everything, isn't it? Like life and godliness, that's like God, his power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. What is that? Through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises. What is the thing that God has given to us that provides everything we need for life and godliness? The answer, this. Doug, you mean that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean that because this is what God's word says. And, and it goes on, so that through them you may part, be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of the sinful desire. Go to the last verse of chapter one. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Who wrote the word of God? Well, uh, 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 men of God who, who wrote it, but the spirit of God. Listen, if the Spirit of God wrote it, might the Word of God be really important and near and dear to the Spirit of God? Like, might the Spirit of God really have a high view of the Word of God? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. In fact, turn to 2 Timothy. Turn to the left. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. A well-known passage. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. Verse 16, uh, all scripture, Genesis to Revelation, is breathed out by God. We can say breathed out by the Spirit of God and is profitable. It's useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. Again, that fulfills with all of life and godliness that the man of God, that the woman of God may be complete, equipped for how many works? Every. Oh, by the way, go down to verse 3 of chapter 4. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. Friends, there's a whole lot of Christian myths going on today. Why, why is it that there is just like this propensity, this almost yearning desire to want to find truth information outside of this. Oh, well, it's ancient. Oh, well, it's, it's old. Um, excuse me, but let me just enter in and say, if it's good enough for the Spirit of God, like, good enough for us? I don't see anywhere where the Spirit of God is like, yeah, you know, that thing you have there, Genesis, that's old stuff. That's kind of irrelevant now. What? The Spirit of God is not on that camp at all. 
Spirit of God, we see from 2 Peter 1, 2 Timothy 3, has a high view of Scripture. He wrote it. Uh, by the way, the familiar statement, all truth is God's truth. Uh, okay, uh, I got some issues with that. But I'll just say it this way. Even if all truth is God's truth, not all truth is Scripture truth. And there is a difference. There is. Science truth is not Scripture truth. Academia truth is not scripture truth. Psychology truth is not scripture truth. Political truth is not scripture truth. Financial truth is not scripture truth. Social media truth is definitely not scripture truth. It, hear me, one's, well, this is what I believe truth is not scripture truth necessarily. A manipulated scripture truth is not scripture truth. There is a difference between scripture truth and other truths. Because the Spirit doesn't swing the other truths. The Spirit, the sword of the Spirit is this truth. And, and think about this. If, if, the, if, the, if the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God, let's just say practically, pragmatically, how much are we giving, tossing up the Word of God for the Spirit to swing at? Oh, well, the Spirit's supposed to, you know, he, the Spirit knows he's got the whole thing memorized. Just so you know that. But in the cooperation with the Spirit of God, as we engage with the sword of the Spirit, the Spirit works through the Word of God as His primary entity in our lives. And if we're not, if I can say it this way, if we're not tossing up the Word of God for the Spirit of God to swing at, Maybe no wonder you're wondering, why doesn't the Spirit of God seem to be doing a work in my life? He's got nothing to swing on. One of our core values is foundationally scriptural. This is why. This is why. Do we have a high view of God's word here? Oh, we better. That's why we're not at church where it's like put a verse up and then go talking about what I want to talk about. I'm just so out on that. We want to be a people that's in God's word so we can toss the word of God up for the spirit of God to be able to do work in our lives all the time. I want this to be an example of what should be taking place in your own lives where God speak, God speak through your word. God do a work. I just got to tell you, I just don't understand nowadays where people are like, I'm waiting for a word from God. You have it. Seriously, you have it. Why are we waiting for our own little private word from God? When God has already told us in his word that God uses the word of God in our lives to speak to the people of God. Ezra, Ezra 7.10, for Ezra set his heart to study the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach his statutes. He set his heart. Again, I would say, picture it. I think Ezra understood that it's like, I'm teeing up the word of God for the spirit of God to be able to do all the work in my life. And if there's no teeing up, there's no swinging. The Spirit of God dwells within us so as to be at work in and through us. And we know that uh, the Spirit of God's greatest tool is the Word of God. Then should we not be people surrounded by and saturated in the Word of God? 
Yes. Yes, we should. We have been equipped with the Spirit of God and the Word of God. And one more thing. We have been equipped with the people of God. We have been equipped with the people of God. In June coming up, I'm going to take an entire Sunday kind of on this uh, idea here of uh, growing and changing, how that happens with the people of God. If you will, please turn to Hebrews 10. I'll make reference to a, a passage here. Hebrews 10. Um, let me, while you're turning there, I'll make mention. Proverbs 27, 17. As iron sharpens iron, so one man, so one woman sharpens another. That's gospel relationship. As one man, as one man, as one woman, one woman, Sharpen. By the way, what happens when that? It comes in contact. It comes in uh, closeness. It it, it 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 rubs on each other. It, sometimes it even causes sparks, and you know things take place. But it's all for a purpose of sharpening. Observation as a pastor uh, over the last twenty years. I'm concerned that God's people are looking less and less to gospel relationships, and more and more for buddies. I'm concerned that God's people are looking more and more for similar buddies that I can have as friend pals and, you know, hobby pals and interest pals and stage of life pals. And I think all of those are fine. And I think all of those are good. I'm not putting those down. But friends, hear me on this. What we need is gospel relationships. We're going to be talking about that here coming up in June, but iron sharpening, iron kind of relationships, where I'm around people of, frankly, you younger and older and, and, and like me and not like me, that, that we can do life together. So often, we even if we wanted to go into spiritual gifts, whatever your spiritual gift is, we put ourselves around people of our own spiritual gifts. Oh, and that becomes a one-eyed monster. You know, all the mercy people, I'll, I'll get together and all the mercy people. And then, and then all the admin people, they administrative people, they get together and, and they drive each other nuts. And yet they're supposed to be involved together, helping each other in the gospel kind of relationship, iron sharpening iron. And here Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, and let us consider how to stir up one another. Okay, stir up is not to irritate, annoy frustrate, but you see in the text, to love and good works. By the way, let us, that's all of God's people, let us consider. The idea of the word here is thoughtful consideration. It's stop for a moment, and let's, let's here, here's, the, here's the thought. If Sunday mornings, before going to church, what if all of us pause for a little bit and thought, okay, I'm going to church today with God's people, and I'm not going to think about how everybody else can serve me, but I'm going to consider how I can encourage others in love and good works. Uh, and and I, I got some ideas, and I'm coming to church ready to come and ready to giddy up God's people. And by the way, all of this, entails the whole idea of, if you've been here since the almost 15 years we've been around as a church, or whether if this is your, 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 your first, second time, if you're in the Lord, this isn't a thing that's timed by how long you've been somewhere. This is who we're supposed to be. 
We're to be considering people. How can we consider to stir one another up to love and good works? Not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. Oh, that, that's what we need. Maybe you know of some people in your life who are giddy up people. You know, they're just like, man, every time you're with them, I can think of some where they just encourage you and they come alongside and they look, man, don't you just love those people? Hey, how about this? Let's all be those people. What if we were all those people? So we're not just even coming in church, just looking for our buds, but we're looking for, for anybody we can love on and, and, and dive into and, and, and help them giddy up in the Lord. Well, let me conclude with this. Um, there are three things that God has equipped us with. God has equipped, if you know Christ as your Savior, God has equipped us with the Spirit of God, the third person of the Trinity. Bang, God, in, dwelling, sealing, convicting, working in you. And I'm going to guess that you probably came in today and, and, and wherever you were at, and I hope you go out today thinking, whoa, I got more in me than I thought. Because you have the Spirit of God in you. Oh, by the way, not only that, we have the Spirit of God and we have the Word of God. And this is the sword of the Spirit. This is the sword. This <laughs> You use the sword for offense and for defense. And, 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 and we're tossing the Word of God up for the Spirit of God to be able to do a work in our lives. And then we're with the people of God, right? I mean, I'm freaking you all out. You know, just with the people of God, I, I, can I say, this is all we need. This is all we need. This is it. I'm telling you, the Christian life is not that complicated. It's not that I'm saying it's easy, but it's not that complicated. It's really the Spirit of God, the Word of God, and the people of God, giddy up. That's it. Thank you. All right? I want you to be encouraged. I want you to be challenged. Think about it this week. Process it this week. Giddy up. Because God has fully equipped us to do what God has called us to do and to be. And so, God, we adore you for that. We thank you for that. We lift your name high because of it. And, and, and we just sit in the awesomeness. And, God, I pray this week that we would be a people that just sit in these truths of what you are and what you have done and how you have equipped us and how you have drawn us and how you have brought us together. God, you, you have not asked us to do things that we are unable to do. You have, you have worked in our lives in such a way that, that you have fully equipped us to exactly what you've called us. And I just really ask, Spirit of God, would you do a work in our lives this week just, just to help us meditate on this, think on this, ponder on this. Oh God, uh, Spirit of God, uh, bring truth to us. Help us to see this and pull this together as we begin engaging on this in the coming weeks and couple months on what this now looks like. For the person who's been redeemed in Christ, we are made new. And in that being made new, we are called to something new. And on top of that, we have been equipped for what we've been called to. May we just hold on to those truths, know those truths at this time, and help us to bring those together to live them out increasingly so for your glory. In Christ's name we pray.
Amen.